in that kind of situation where you, you started off confident, like you knew where you were going. Remember how when you were like 17 and you knew exactly what life was about? Some of you are 17 and you do know exactly what life's about. Um, and, and then somewhere along the line, you've, it's like, I, I feel lost. I don't know where I'm going. Have you ever been there, like the video just was, where you're, you know, the first couple of Y's in the road you come to, it's like a confident right, and I'm just going. And, and the next thing you know, you're, you're almost at the place where you feel, feel lost. You know, nobody goes on a great adventure without a guide. Nobody, especially when you know where, don't know where you're going. How many of you ever backpacked? Anybody done any backpacking, hiking? Yeah, everybody's done hiking here, but, but there's backpacking, all kinds of stuff. Crystal and I actually did quite a bit of backpacking when we were younger, before we had kids. And I don't know about you guys, but it seems like uh, when you're younger and you can't like do real vacations anyways, walking is a great vacation. And so, so we'd walk and we'd camp and it actually took me about a decade to figure out that Crystal didn't enjoy that so much. Um, I could probably, I'll save that for like a marriage sermon or something, but uh, yeah, it took me like a decade to figure out that she wasn't really all that keen on it. But we backpacked quite a bit and it, you know, it was fun. And so we, we lived in Chicago. I live right downtown Chicago. We went to school there, went to a school called Moody there. And we, uh, we would get out of the city to go backpacking. And when you live in Chicago and you get out of the city, you get out of the city to Wisconsin, like to go backpacking. I don't know how many of you have thought about Wisconsin as your backpacking de- destination. But anyways, we'd go backpacking. And so we did a few different trial trips, like three nights kind of thing. And then we were going to go for legit mountains, legitimate mountains. And we were going to go down to Tennessee to the Appalachian Trail. We're going to hike part of that over our, uh, over our spring break. And so I, I got this map from REI of the place that we we're going to go, and I charted it out. I knew which way we were going to go. And I'd never really owned, like, a topographical map before. I didn't really—there wasn't YouTube back then, so I couldn't, like, figure out how to read it or whatever. But I knew that we were good for 8 or 10 miles a day in Wisconsin. So I—it's our first day, and we needed to get there, so I stretched it to, like, a 12-mile day first. And, and I didn't know why the lines were closer together in some spots, and they weren't in other spots. I thought it just looked really cool. And so you know how it is. We're driving. We drive in late. I thought it would be a good idea to, like, drive 14 hours overnight just to get there and to get out and, and start backpacking. And so we did that, and, of course, we started a little bit late, and and we started hiking. And it amazed me how much more difficult it was to hike up than it was to hike flat. And it amazed me how much, like, our miles just weren't clicking off like the way I had planned them to go. And pretty soon, your destination is way out of sight. Like, there, you're looking at the map, and I think we're here. I'm not sure. I'm a little bit lost. And there's no way I can get where I thought I was going. And it would have been great to have somebody else there to tell me how to read that map. It would have been great for somebody else to be there to guide me through it. But we were lost. We ended up spending the night. We, we ended up being like 10 o'clock at night. We finally stopped in the trail and we slept right there on the trail until morning, kind of refigured out what we we're going to do for the next day. But here's the thing in life, and nobody wants to do life that way. Nobody wants to wander through life. How do I go left, right? How, Do you see the desperation look on his face? Just, I'm lost. I don't know where to go. And God never designed for us to navigate life without a guide. And so as we talk about this today, man, we are talking about 
the guide that God says he wants to give to us as we walk with him through this adventure. So I'm going to pray for us, and we are going to begin. We're going to jump into the scriptures, and uh, we'll get started. But I want to pray, and I want to specifically ask that God would guide us in our discussion today, that he would actually flip the switch, that he'd illuminate, that he would turn the lights on for us as we open up his word, all right? God, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you call us into the adventure of life with you. God, thank you that you've brought us here this morning. So God, we're here, and all of us have come from different spots, and, and some, of us have, uh, some of us have come, and we desperately need to hear from you. We desperately need to know, are you real? Do you really love me? Is this really true? So we come to you this morning, God, and we say, speak. We come to you this morning just humbly, and we, we ask that you would lead us that you would guide us, that we would have the courage to, to open our hearts and hear from you and the courage to follow. God, would you work in that kind of way? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, um, you know, last week we talked about the, the confidence we have that that our relationship with God, that this adventure with him is not based on how great we are. It's on the fact that he has called us into relationship with him. And he tells us that he, he wants to guide us. Um, the, the first thing that we find from the scriptures is that the guide is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is God himself. One of in John 14, Jesus is with his disciples. And in John 14, he's just saying, hey, listen, I'm going to be going away. You know, Jesus started telling his disciples, I'm going to be going away long before they clearly understood exactly what he was saying. He said, I'm going to be going away and you know the way to where I'm going. And they just said plainly, they're like, Jesus, we don't know the way to where you're going. He said, no, no, you know me. I am the way to where I'm going. I am the way to the Father. He said, if you know me, you know the way. And, and they just, they're confused by the whole thing. And he said, I don't want you to worry. I am sending to you an advocate. Actually, in John 14, here's what it says, starting in verse 15. It says, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Um, actually, these words here are pretty significant. Um, he says, I want to give you another. It says he will be with you. And, and when he says he and him, he describes this advocate, this, this comforter, this, this guide. He describes him as a person. So it's not an it. Okay, the spirit isn't uh, an abstract energy. The spirit isn't an idea. The spirit is a person. Jesus describes him as a person. And he, um, sorry, he the father will give you another advocate to help you be, with you be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him as a person. Okay, so him is, is personal. And, and what he says, I will send you another advocate. And, and what the word act, another means is it's another of the same kind. I, he says, I won't be here, but I will send you another 
just like me, of the exact same kind as me. Not another of a different kind, not a replacement. In fact, in chapter 16, which is two chapters later, Jesus says clearly to his disciples, he says, listen, I want you to, I want you to understand this comforter that I'm sending you, it's way better for you to have him in you than it is for me to be right here with you. Like you could be with Jesus, BFF, matching, matching sweatshirts, tandem bike, and it'd be way better to have the Holy Spirit with you than to have Jesus right next to you. Think about that. He says, Jesus tells his disciples, it is going to be way better for you to have the Holy Spirit than to just be in my proximity. And he says, I'm sending him to you. So he's another person and he's just of the exact same kind as Jesus. This is, this is the craziest, hardest part to, to understand about Christianity in that God describes himself as plural and as one. Right from the start, the very first page of scriptures, God says we. It would be like, it would be like me describing myself in a plural form. It would be like saying, we are going to speak to you today. And you're thinking, is he talking about the church? No, you figure out I'm crazy. I'm actually talking about myself. I'm talking about me as multiple people. And the thing is, is that God isn't crazy. He describes himself as we. He says, let us make man in our image. And we become his image bearers in that God exists in love. He exists in community. He existed perfectly before creation in love, giving and receiving love between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit selflessly honoring each other in community. And he makes us in that same way. We're made in community. And so here's what he says. Uh, there is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, in Matthew 28, we're, we're told to go out and make disciples. And when people get baptized, we baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The scriptures over and over says God is three and one. And the Spirit is legitimately God. Okay? So... Even in, uh, go to Second Corinthians chapter 3 if you have your Bibles. Also, if, if you don't have your Bible and uh, you want to follow along, I don't have my phone on me, but uh, the YouVersion uh, app on your phone has all the scriptures in it as well, as well as all the notes, so you can follow along there. This is Second Corinthians 3. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So again, Paul just says, the Lord is the Spirit. The Spirit transforms us into his likeness, just like the Lord. So the, the scriptures say that the Spirit is God. And secondly, not only is the Holy Spirit God, but the Holy Spirit lives in us who believe. In Romans 8, this is what it says. But you're not controlled. He's talking, to, he's talking to Christians. He says, you're not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who don't have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. Okay, so he said the Spirit lives in you. Now he says, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, just like all of us will die here in this life, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The Spirit who, I, I don't know if you knew that before, do you know that the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead? Right? And, and elsewhere it says that Christ raised himself from the dead. So together, the Spirit and Jesus, 
Their power is in us. The Spirit of God who raised us from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. So Paul, uh, that's like huge, deep. We could spend three weeks right there. Paul just says, the Spirit is God. And the Spirit of God lives within you when you come to believe in him. He lives within you. Um, the Jewish people uh, before Christ worshipped in synagogues and eventually they, they would come to Jerusalem and they would worship at the temple. You've heard the word called the temple. And the temple was called the temple because who resided at the temple? God resided there. A lot of us grow up, we think, well, you know, like the church, that's God's house, and we kind of talk about it that way, and, and you know, you go there, and that's why, like, that's why occasionally, you know, most people occasionally swear once or twice, right? But, and then I'll be talking here with people, and people will accidentally swear, and they'll be like, oh, oh, shoot, right, sorry, I shouldn't swear here in this place, Right? It, it, that's a very curious thing, right? Now, if God, if God set up his house here and God was only here, that would make a lot of sense to, to not do that that way. But, but here's what happened. When, when God sent his son Jesus to live and die and rise again, to pay the price for our sin, this amazing thing happened. God's spirit did reside in the temple until that very moment when Christ died for our sins. And then do you know what happened? He broke out of that house. He, the spirit used to, on earth, live in a place. His spirit used to be located in the temple of God in Jerusalem. And when Christ paid for sin, do you know what happened? He paid the price for our sin, and the spirit left there, and ever since has dwelt in the lives, in the hearts, within those who believe in him. And so the scriptures tell us that we are the temple of God, okay? We who believe in Christ are the temple of God, that we literally have the spirit of God living in us, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead. So if you become a believer in Christ, you have that spirit, you have God living in you, okay? So that, that's where he lives. This week in base camp, in the base camp book, here's the things that we're going to talk about. Again, how many of you guys are in a base camp group? Okay, very cool. Um, if, if you want to get plugged into a base camp group and you haven't yet, I would, I'd, I, we'll make it happen. We'll either, we're probably going to start another one in a few weeks. But if, if you know somebody in one, join in. We'd love to have you join in. So this week, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how the Spirit, how He guides us, He enlightens us, He changes us, He leads us, and He warns us, okay? And He does that from within, our heart. Today, what we specifically want to talk about is how do you follow a God that's within you? How do you follow a guide who is within me? How do we listen to him? How do we hear from him? How does he speak to us? Okay. Um, God never designed for us to navigate life without a guide. God never designed for us to navigate this walk with him without him as the guide. Third thing is you receive the Holy Spirit by faith. So the first thing was that, that God is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, and, and he lives within the hearts of those who believe in him. He doesn't reside in a place. He doesn't live in all the church buildings. He lives in his church, his bride, the body of Christ, those who 
those who believe in him. And the third thing, again, is that you receive him by faith. Paul, in the New Testament, Paul writes a bunch of letters to different churches, just like ours, and churches always need correcting, because as people, we always need correcting. And so churches start to go in a direction, and Paul kind of started that church, and he went off to start another one, and he writes, and he corrects, and he writes this church in Galatians. And the church in Galatians is uh, doing a good job in many ways, but, but their focus shift shifted. And, and here's what he says in Galatians uh, chapter 3. He said, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? He said, when, when you received the Holy Spirit, did you receive it by obeying the law? Did, were there some set of works or rules that you did to receive the Spirit? He says, of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. Specifically, the message they heard about Christ was that Christ died for our sin. We're, we have sin, and that sin leads to death, and Christ paid the price for our sin. And when you believe that, when you trust in him for the forgiveness of your sin, you receive forgiveness. You receive the righteousness of Christ. You receive forgiveness and you're given the Holy Spirit. God comes to set up shop in you. You become the temple of God. You, God lives in you. And he says, did you receive that spirit by obeying? No, you received the spirit because you believed in the message you heard about Christ. Uh, he says also in Ephesians, he says, in Ephesians 1, he says, also you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, you were marked by him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Again, they received the gospel by believing, by faith. In Galatians 5, he continues, he says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And so today, what, what we're going to continue to talk about is, is not only how, how, do we, how do we receive the Spirit by faith? Because most of you, you've been around a Christian church for a while. You've heard that idea. You've heard the idea, I have sin. I need to be forgiven. The way for me to receive forgiveness is to believe it. And, and some of us believe easily and some of us don't believe so easily. And so some of us have been here for a long time and, and that's just hard for us to believe. Some of us, on the other hand, we think, I'm, I'm pretty good. I don't, I don't know that I totally need to be forgiven. And we wrestle with that for a while. And what, what Paul is saying is, Paul is teaching that you receive forgiveness from God and you receive the Spirit by believing, by faith. But hear what he continues to say is now you walk with the Spirit. You follow the guide by faith. See, here, here's something that many of us mess up. We do exactly what the Galatians did. They had some people teaching there that, you, yeah, you receive the Spirit by faith, but now that you, you have him, now let's start working, right? Now that you've got the Spirit, now let's start working. And, and actually, here's the set of rules for how you work, and you're going to keep going. And so... You not only, they would say, yeah, go ahead and receive the Spirit by faith, but now follow him by works. And what Paul says is, Paul says, we keep in step with the Spirit by faith as well. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Okay, and we're going to talk about how to do that by faith. So the fourth thing is that we keep in step with the Spirit by faith. He continues in Galatians 3. Uh, this is... This is Verse 3, excuse me. He says, How foolish can you be? After starting your Christian lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? 
Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because of the message you heard about Christ. And so, so Paul says, of course, God doesn't work among you because of your works. He works among you because of what he is doing. The message you heard about Christ and the fact that you responded in faith. So where does that leave us? Um, where does that leave us? Because some of us here, some of us here are at the process where we're like, man, I, I know I trusted in Christ a long time ago, but I, I haven't heard from the Spirit in years. Others of us, others of us are amazing at following the Spirit. There are some of us here that, that follow the Spirit and, and they know He is real and He is alive and He's guiding me. So how, how can we follow the Spirit more? At K2, one of these things we say over and over is that it's our goal that each one of us would take a step closer to God. And it's my desire today that as we continue here that we would take a step closer to following Him um, we're going to talk about, about what this looks like in our lives. How do we listen to the Holy Spirit and respond in faith? A couple of years ago, uh, when we lived in Africa, my oldest son, Squire, um, just uh, if you have kids, kids ask great questions, right? And so I, I can't remember. He must have been seven or so. He was about seven years old. And he just said, Dad, how do I know that like all of this isn't just like a story? Right? Like, how do, you know, how do you just, how do you not know that just the whole thing isn't just, isn't, is there really a God and did somebody just write this story? It's a great question. If you've never asked that question, it's probably in you. You just not let it out, right? Like, how do we actually, how do we actually know? And so, you know, being the pastor, you know, guy that I am, uh, I'm like, I, I don't have a good answer to that. I don't know, you know? And, uh, not totally, but basically. And so, you know how it is. And um, I'm like, can't we talk about sex or something like that, you know? <laughs> um, so anyway, so that day, uh, at that point in time, we had this amazing office that looked out over this mountain and uh, in Swaziland where I lived. And I was on the patio at lunch. And, and so I just said to God, I'm like, and not every lunch is like this, but I just, I said, God, like, this is my son. I love this kid, right? And he wants to hear from you. He wants to know, are you, are you straight up real? Or is this all, you know, is this all a joke? Are you real? And this is my kid. And I can't prove it to him. Like, I can't argue. I mean, I can give him a simple answer and he'll probably take it. But, but God, I want him to hear from you. And so, you know, I prayed that. And I actually uh, had my journal with me that day, and I was writing that out. And uh, so later that night, uh, I got home, and we all jumped in the Land Rover. We were doing something. I can't remember where we were going. And, um, like, he's all the way in the back. We had this, it's like the size of a Suburban, and he's all the way in the back next to the back window. And um, he had, I can't remember what he had done that day. He had done something, and he was in trouble with his mom. And... uh, and she made the comment uh, something about forgiveness. She said, 
you know, uh, like, oh, he said, hey, mom, I'm really sorry about this. And she said, oh, I forgive you. And he said, oh, I know I'm forgiven. And, uh, and you know, she said, what? And, and there's music on and the other boys are talking. And um, he said, well, God told me that this afternoon. And <laughs> I, uh, I didn't plan on being emotional about this. The, here's the thing. Like, I just went to God and said, God, this is my kid. Would you talk to my kid? He wants to hear from you. Would you talk to him? He says he's believed in you. He wants to hear from you. And that day, in the midst of his sin, just like you and I walk in day in and day out in our sin, he asked God for forgiveness. And in some different way, God spoke to him and said, I love you, Squire, you're forgiven. It's pretty cool. And here's the deal. Jesus said this about his father. He said, listen, you fathers, he might have said, you lad, right? If your kids ask for a fish, are you going to give them a snake instead? They ask for an egg. Do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. And this is what Jesus says. He says, so if sinful people know how to give good gifts, because I'm a sinful father, if I know how to even in that situation, if I know how to give a good gift for my kid, if I even know how to ask God for a good gift for my kid, and I'm sinful, he says, you people are train wrecks, and you know how to give good gifts to your kids. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, God doesn't want you to roll solo trying to figure life out like Dan was in the video. He doesn't want you to try to figure out how. He doesn't want you to try and do this by works. He doesn't want you to try and muster up the gumption to, to be a better person and to, to do the right things and not do the wrong things. And he says, how much more will God give his Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And today we want to ask him for his spirit. There's tons of ways that we can get out of step with the spirit. You know, one of the things that in that moment with Squire, I didn't really plan this out this way, but I really asked God. I'm like, God, I, I need you to show up here. Do you know what I was, I was doing? In the car, even though it was way, there was tons of distractions between me and Squire, I, I was listening for what Squire was saying. Like, I was super attentive. Like, when, when you ask for the Spirit, when you ask for the Spirit, man, open your heart to what he will say. Because one of the best ways to not hear from the Spirit is to shrug off every little thing he says. And you know, you know how when you ignore uh, a voice, it, it just gets quieter and quieter and then you never hear it again? I know uh, wives, a lot of times you feel like that as well. Like your husband, right? He ignores your voice and it's almost like he can't hear, hear you anymore. We can do that with the Spirit. Worship team is going to come on up, and, uh, and we're going to we're actually spend, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to spend time in worship here this morning, and we want to ask God to speak to us. If you're new here, or uh, if you've not been to church before, um, we're literally just going to ask God, God, would you speak to me? I want to open up my heart and my mind to you. 
Would you lead me and guide me? Would you speak to me? Would you be God and I will be your kid? And would you speak to me?